Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word, presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. Two engineers applied for one job at a computer company. They had identical qualifications, so to determine which one to hire, the firm gave them a test. Each did well, except they both missed the same question. The manager called the first candidate, explained the results of the test, and then said, I'm afraid we're going to have to hire the other applicant. Why? We both got nine questions right, said the rejected engineer. Our choice isn't based on the correct answers, but on the question you both missed, they said. But if we both missed the same question, why would you choose him over me, he said. Well, in answer to question five on the test, the other guy put down, I don't know, and you wrote, neither do I. A man by the name of Naaman was put to the test, and though he struggled with the test, ultimately by faith, he passed with flying colors. Second Kings chapter 5, verses 1 to 3 read, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. In chapters 2 through 13 in 2 Kings, we read of the prophet Elisha's ministry. He was the disciple and successor to the prophet Elijah. In chapter 5, we learn about the healing of Naaman during Elisha's ministry. Verse 1 tells us that Naaman was captain of the host, or the highest-ranking military official in the Syrian army, leader over all the armies of Syria. And this being so, he was the chief military commander of a country that was a persistent enemy to Israel. Verse 1 describes Naaman as great, honorable, a mighty man of valor. So we learn that Naaman was a person of great influence and wealth, highly respected, and an auspicious and brave soldier. And Naaman was second only to the king himself when it came to power. Verse 1 says that he was a great man with his master. Naaman's master was the king of Syria. And this shows that there was no one else between Naaman and the king. And he answered only and directly to him. And only the king was above him in power. Naaman was a leader of men, capable and esteemed. A number of accolades are strung together in rapid succession. He's esteemed, he's great, he's noble, he's valiant, he's a leper. And the last one's meant to shock us. General Naaman had, a, had all the world could offer. Riches, power, social standing, fame. He had everything except good health. He had so much going for him, but what he had against him was tragic and devastating. Naaman was stricken with the slow, agonizing, flesh-eating, and eventually fatal disease of leprosy. It's been said 
that Naaman commanded not only the Syrian army, but also the respect of king and country. However, there was one thing he could not command, his health. After facing countless enemies and prevailing, Naaman is now crossing swords with his most formidable foe, the devastating and incurable disease of leprosy, and he is losing. By the account and the great lengths that Naaman goes to find a cure shows that he is losing this battle and is a desperate man. Verse 2 shows how in the course of their occasional raids and battles with Israel over the years, the Syrians captured Israelites whom they made slaves in their country. As a result of this, Naaman had an Israelite maid for his home. Verse 2 describes her as a little maid or literally a young girl, and she was a personal servant to Naaman's wife. Naaman and his wife were evidently kind to the girl because she sought Naaman's good, and she told his wife of a prophet in Samaria who could heal him of his leprosy. She had heard about the power of God working through Elisha, and she makes a simple statement of faith. I wish that my master was with the prophet who's in Samaria, then he would cure him of his leprosy. Now think about this young girl. She's an inspiration to all of us. She illustrates how a person, regardless of age, being in a key place at the right time, and demonstrating faith and faithfulness to God and speaking out for Him, can impact someone for the Lord and lead others to Him. God used the tragedy of her captivity to accomplish a greater good. And she was greatly used in such a simple way. She cared enough to speak up. And she had faith in God to believe that Elisha could and would heal Naaman of his leprosy. D.L. Moody said, A little girl said a few words that made a commotion in two kingdoms, Syria and Israel. How often has the finger of childhood pointed grown-up persons in the right direction? The maid boasted of God that his prophet could heal Naaman of his leprosy, and God honored her faith. This girl was the provision of God for Naaman. She teaches us the impact that the young can make for the Lord. She shows that God can use us wherever we are at. She demonstrates how it doesn't take a degree in theology to be a witness for the Lord. This little girl simply knew somebody who could meet the need of her master. She knew God and his servant Elijah, Elisha, could do it. And she said so and pointed Naaman to him. And likewise, we know somebody who can meet the need of salvation of anyone around us, Jesus Christ. And we are called to point others to him and share him simply with others. 2 Kings 5, 4-8 read, And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, Behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. It came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? 
Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. In verse 4, we learn how Naaman, after hearing of this prophet from the young girl, then went and told his lord, that is, the king of Syria, showing his power and access to the king, Naaman was able to gain an audience with the king very easily. And then in turn, showing how much he valued Naaman, the king immediately dispatched him to Samaria with a letter for the king of Israel. He told Naaman to go to, go, or depart, go at once, don't lose any time. Along with the letter from the king, Naaman out of his own great wealth, brought 6,000 pieces of gold, 10 talents of silver, and 10 changes of costly, valuable raiments. It's been estimated that the value of all this together would be around $1.2 million in our money today. The natural order of things says that nothing in life is free. And if this healer was authentic, he could probably charge what he wished, so Naaman came prepared. His first mistake, however, was that he thought he could buy his cleansing. And we see a principle in this with salvation and the cleansing we receive, the cleansing of our sins, that many are willing and feel like they need to try to pay their way into heaven. People often believe that they must come to the Lord with offerings of money in order to receive His grace, and so He'll grant them a place in His heaven. And unfortunately, there are a lot of churches and shysters and preachers more than willing to take that money. But the Bible says that God's grace is free of charge. Salvation and the cleansing of our sins is a free gift of His love. No gifts or money is required. There's no strings attached. We receive salvation from our sins and have the sure hope of heaven by faith alone. Naaman then traveled to the king of Israel, which was Jehoram at the time, and gave him the letter from the king of Syria. The letter simply stated to make sure that Naaman was healed of his leprosy. No problem. In other words, it seems so simple. But when the king read the letter, he was understandably upset and grieved, and he rent and tore his clothes because of this impossible request in his mind. And he correctly stated that only God can heal from this deadly disease. It was beyond his power and ability, and it was. The king of Syria assumed that the king of Israel knew Elisha well and was on much better terms with him than he actually was. Jehoram had no relationship with Elisha, the man of God, who could help Naaman. So this thought didn't even cross his mind. Thus, the king's only logical thought was that the king of Syria was seeking a quarrel against me or attempting to instigate a war with Israel and looking for an excuse to do so. Jehoram's tearing of his garments and complaint was a public act, and he wished for his subjects to know about this outrageous request of the Syrian king. So word spread through the rumor mill, and Elisha caught wind and heard about the king's anxiety and tearing of his garments. And so Elisha sent word to the king to send Naaman down to him. And as he sent word to the king, 
I like how Elisha gives a gentle rebuke to him by asking, why are you tearing your clothes? In other words, the reason this is a crisis to you is because you have no relationship with the true and living God who can heal lepers. He told him to send Naaman to him that he, might not, that he might know that there is a prophet in Israel because obviously the king didn't know there was a prophet in Israel and had forgot that there was one. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to BereanBibleSociety.org. Foundational Truths is a 144-page paperback book written by Pastor John Fredrickson. Foundational Truths is the step-by-step guide to land one into an understanding of God's truth for today under grace. It was written for the purpose of equipping believers with a strong biblical and spiritual foundation. To order your copy, contact Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at BereanBibleSociety.org. To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, call 262-255-4750 or subscribe online at www.BereanBibleSociety.org. Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now... Back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin. 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 9 to 12 read, So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Upon hearing the invitation for Naaman to come see him, Naaman came in a hurry to the door of Elisha's home with his horses and with his chariot. The general arrived in grand style, which included him in his chariot, an entourage of mounted soldiers, and his extravagant gifts of gold and silver and expensive raiments. I like to imagine the scene. After rushing up to Elisha's humble residence and noisily arriving with all those horses and the chariot, dust filling the air, Naaman and all these soldiers in full-dress uniforms with their war horses and bags of gold and silver draped over them all stopped and are now looking at the door of Elisha's home. Then an unknown household servant opened the creaky wooden door slowly. He stepped outside onto the porch step and said, in effect, Elisha says to go dip in the Jordan River seven times and you'll be fine. Thank you. And then he turned, went back into the house, gave a little wave, and shut the door. And Naaman is speechless. Not at all awed by the great military commander, Elisha didn't even bother to come to the door, nor did he invite him to come into his house. Naaman had taken the trouble to to travel from Syria and to then come to the home of Elisha, but Elisha refused to give him a personal audience. 
He simply sent a messenger out to him. No remark was made about all these nice things he had brought with him. And then on top of it all, he had, he had been given a humiliating and ridiculous set of instructions. As a result of this, he felt slighted. Naaman's pride was hurt. And he was hot with anger at such an off-handed treatment. The term wrath in verse 11 is one of the strongest words describing anger in the Bible. Naaman expected that, that he and his illness would be taken much more seriously by the prophet. He was a man who commanded armies, and when he spoke, people jumped. He was important. He was accustomed to being honored. Men bowed in his presence in battle. They cowered before him. But Elisha didn't even come out to meet him. And he just sent his messenger out. He felt insulted, demeaned. He didn't like the way he was being treated. And so he says, it says he went away. Or he literally turned around and started heading back for home in his frustration and rage. And he comes dangerously close to just going back home with leprosy to die rather than endure this insult. Pride was getting in the way of his cleansing. And pride often gets in the way of a person's personal salvation. Naaman's pride was hurt because of the simple request given to him. And so that can be true of anyone at the truth of salvation for today and the simple thing God asks to receive it. In salvation, we have a great need, like Naaman had a great need with his leprosy. In salvation, we must humble ourselves to accept God's provision, like Naaman was being required to humble himself to accept God's provision for his cleansing. Salvation is by the humblest of means, by the cross and resurrection of God's Son, and it is humbly received without us doing anything, acknowledging that we can't do anything to save ourselves, and Christ did it all, and we just trust what Christ did for us. Naaman's pride and stubborn unwillingness to abandon his way for God's almost killed him and almost caused him to miss his cleansing that he might live. In pride, stubbornness, and an unwillingness to abandon our way for God's can lead one to eternal death and to missing heaven, eternal life, cleansing and salvation of our sins too. As Naaman was leaving and on his way home to Syria, he spoke to his men. And we see that Naaman's next mistake was that he had come with a list of his own expectations. And his encounter with the prophet of God had met none of them. He had expected the cure to be elaborate and dramatic. He said, I thought surely, in verse 11, Naaman's cleansing wasn't in the way he had in mind or the way he thought it should take place. He thought, sure, Elisha himself would come out to perform a cleansing ceremony, waving his arms over him, calling out to his God. He was looking for some dramatic, emotional, religious ceremony which would declare and make him clean. It's been said that he anticipated a way God would work, and he was offended when God didn't work the way he expected. 
Naaman wanted God's cleansing, but on his terms and in his way. He wanted a drive-through healing, basically. He wanted to pay his money, have a quick, dramatic healing service with all the bells and whistles, and then go home healed and happy. And it's the same with spiritual cleansing from our sins. Many fight the way God says we are saved today, telling themselves, I thought surely it would be this other way, that I could earn it, pay for it, be a good person, do good things, be religious, and go to heaven when I die. Many, like Naaman, want God's cleansing of their sins, but on their terms, the way they had in mind and feel it should be. Like Naaman too, many feel there needs to be a big, showy, emotional ceremony or a religious experience in order to be saved or to feel like they are. But God's ways are not our ways. God asks a very simple thing of Naaman here to be cleansed. And God does the same with the way of salvation today. He asks a very simple thing. Just by faith alone, in the quietness of your heart, to trust that Christ died for your sins and rose again. God saves on His terms, and we must come to God and be saved in the way God says to be saved. In verse 12, Naaman complained and resented being told to wash in a dirty, muddy river which was inferior to the glorious, pure, clear rivers near his home in Damascus, the rivers of Abana and Farpar. He said, in effect, that he wasn't about to belittle himself by getting washed in a filthy, sorry little river in some backward country like Samaria when they had their own glorious rivers back home. And so he turned and went away in a rage to continue his journey back home. 2 Kings 5, 13-16 read, And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean. Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him. And he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. But he said, As the Lord liveth before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Naaman's servants then reasoned with him as they traveled. And I imagine carefully, since he was in a rage as they were returning, saying that if Elijah had asked him to do some big elaborate thing, he would have done it. But Elisha hadn't asked him to do a very difficult thing, so why not try it? It couldn't hurt anything. First, we see God using a young slave girl to give Naaman the message about who could help and where he could find his healing. Second, God used the prophet Elisha to tell him where to go and what to do to be healed. And third, when he was reluctant to obey, God even used his servants, Naaman's servants, to encourage him to be obedient to the word of God. God had a lot of people working on Naaman's life. And in leading people to salvation today, God often uses many people 
to share and lead a person to him. Naaman's pride then gave way, and he humbled himself, and he did it. He was an important man with a high position, and the prophet told him to dip into the Jordan to be cleansed of his leprosy. Thus, he was a big dipper, the title of this message. Naaman went down into the Jordan River, dipped himself seven times, and on the seventh time he came up and he was healed. And his childlike faith led him to be given childlike skin, and he was completely cleansed. Ajax couldn't have gotten him any cleaner. Was it the Jordan River that cleansed him of his leprosy? No. Was it dunking himself seven times in the river that removed his disease? No, it was all God. And it was in obeying God's command, doing what he required that resulted in his cleansing. Naaman humbly returned to the house of Elisha, thankful, changed, and healed. And he desired to give Elisha a gift out of his deep appreciation. But Elisha declined it. Naaman had come to trust in what he says in verse 15. I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. And that was the true blessing that Elisha, the man of God, received from this experience. And that was all he needed. Pastor Charles Swindoll wrote this. No angels sang, no trumpets, fire or smoke, nothing glowed. The only extraordinary element in this miracle story is the invisible, invincible Lord. His invitation, His ways, His grace, all for His glory. As the man's flesh was restored, only one was deserving of praise. Leprosy is a picture of sin in the Bible. Like leprosy, sin is terminal and leads to death, eternal death. And we are all sinners and filled with the leprosy of sin. And we need to be cleansed in order to live. As we obey the gospel of grace, we receive that cleansing. The Savior was sinless by birth and in life. And at the cross, He took our sins upon Himself and paid sin's penalty for us. God's Word tells us Christ died for our sins. And Scripture tells us that He bare our sins in His own body on the tree and suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God. Through Christ's perfect payment for sin, the cleansing of all of our sins is offered absolutely free to us as a gift. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 states, For by grace are ye saved through faith, And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. God asks a very simple thing of us for salvation today. Just believe. Just trust that Christ died for you, for your sins, and rose again. And you are saved by His grace through your faith. And all your sins, like Naaman's leprosy, are then washed away. Like Naaman's servants... We urge you, why not do it? Why not believe it? God hasn't asked a hard thing of you. Believe and be saved right now. Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. 
The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.